Thank you for those that are here, those that are watching online. God is good. God is good some of the time. All the time God is good. God is faithful to us. I, I have a question that was running through my mind, you know, and you've heard it, I'm sure. Does lightning strike twice at the same place? Uh, I, was, I was reading uh, this week, and I'm sure that you have um, heard that there's a revival breaking out in Asbury Seminary in Kentucky. And the very first one that they had was in 1970. And it was part of the, the change that, that actually brought the forerunners of uh, the Vineyard and the Maranatha and the Charismatic Movement, the Pentecostal uh, Movement of uh, 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 the born-again Christian life into mainstream church in America. In 1970, it started off with just uh, a, a uh, service. It was just a for the students, and they were talking about repentance and about confession. And, and, and so after the service, a uh, few started uh, praying, and they stayed. And then after a while, more came and more came. And it went on for 24 hours a day, seven days a week for several weeks. And out of that was birthed a, a revival that we have been blessed by. And yet I find this, that, that they had a uh, Wednesday, they had just a, a regular service for the students, and they were, they were in, the, in the service, and they were talking about repentance and, and confession. And after the service, about 15 students stayed and they were started praying and, and repenting to God and, and, and confessing to one another about their need, their dire need for God. More people started joining and then more people started joining. And, and today, even as we speak, they're still having service. It's a nonstop service of young people calling out to God, saying, we need you. Isn't that amazing? Don't you love that? In 1970, right after the, 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 the 60s with, uh, with Vietnam and, and, and everything else that was going on during that time, there was, a, there was a need within our culture to call out to God, to realize we were not where we needed to be, that, that culture was engulfing us, us being the body of Christ. And today we find ourselves in, in, in similar uh, circumstances, and I would even say even more dire circumstances in our culture today where it seems that every aspect of culture is trying to destroy and tear down what is good and right and wholesome. And if there's ever a need for God's people to call out to Him, it's right now. Right now. We're going through the Psalm, the 103rd Psalm, 
talked about, about where David, the, the writer of the psalm, said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And we talked about blessing being uh, an acknowledgement, a surrendering of our will to him, and acknowledging that he is worthy of praise, that he's worthy of worship, that he is sovereign in all things, over our heart, over our mind, over our spirit, over our eternal destiny, and we are pledging and acknowledging that he is Lord of all. But it goes on to say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget his benefits. And we've talked about some of those benefits uh, of the Lord, that he pardons our iniquities. Aren't you glad that he forgives us of our sins? I want to talk to you about another one today, if you would put that slide up there for me. And it's simply this, who redeems your life from the pit. I love, and we're only going to talk about the first part. The second part we'll get to next week. If you like crowns and you like love and compassion, next week is yours. Today, we're talking about a God that redeems your life from the pit. And I love that word, redeems. You know, and, I, and, and anybody that's a little bit older, you'll remember the S&H green stamps and you would get the redemption you would, you could, when you went to the grocery store, it was so cool because they had these mammoth things of stamps. And if you spent a lot of money, you got a lot of stamps. And you got to get a, a, your tongue because we weren't smart enough to get a sponge and, and put them on there. So we licked those stamps and we put them in these little books. And when you got enough books, you could go to the redemption store and buy something for free. Although it wasn't free. Redemption. The word here is really an interesting word. It, its root word is from and in references to the kinsman redeemer in the Old Testament. In the story of Ruth, we know that Naomi and, and uh, has a nearest relative that could help her buy her land back or, or get her out of the situation she was in. And Boaz wanted to do it, but he had to get to the place where he was acknowledged as the one, the relative, the closest relative that would be able to redeem her, to buy her land back for her, to, to get her out of the situation that she was in. The kinsman redeemer is really an amazing concept in the in the Old Testament, it's in Christ is our kinsman redeemer in the New Testament. But the very number one thing that a kinsman redeemer would do would be able to uh, buy your land back if you sold it during desperate times. Leviticus 25, 25 says this, if one of your countrymen becomes poor and sells his property, his nearest relative is to come and redeem what his countryman has sold. If you have sold something, if you sold your piece of land, your, your homestead, because you needed the money, because times were desperate, your kinsman redeemer, the one that was closest to you, the one that could afford it, would come and would buy it back for you. Don't you love that? That you're never without. 
Another aspect of the kinsman redeemer that if you were in desperate need and you sold yourself into slavery, into servitude, that your kinsman redeemer could come and buy you back and get you out of the situation that you were in. That you were able to to be able to live life again free from slavery. But isn't that what the Lord did for us? That he, he purchased our salvation. That he allowed us, you and I, the privilege and in everything that we had lost from, from selling ourselves into sin, God redeemed us and brought it back to us and gave us a new life and a new purpose and a new meaning. God is so good to us. So the, the kinsman redeemer, he not, he not only uh, delivered or redeemed from slavery and from lost land, but he also redeemed from the snares of life. He was the, the vindicator of, of people. God in, in Scripture, especially in the Psalms and Proverbs, is always seen as the kinsman redeemer of Israel. And there's a hint of it here. And, and God, as it, as it is, he, he redeems us from the things of this life. Psalm 25, 15 says this, My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. There again, Paul, uh, David in Psalm 25 is using the Lord as a redeemer. He says, He will redeem me from the snares of life. A snare is a trap that you set for a small animal to get caught up in. And you know, it's amazing when you look at the snares of life. Maybe you have been caught in a snare, a trap that somebody uh, set for you, that, that they were trying to set you up and you found yourself in a, in a tough situation that wasn't of your own doing. Maybe you've, you've been there uh, Daniel was that way. He was just praying. He was a captive in Babylon. He was just praying. And those that were around him took offense to him and caught him in a snare that he could not pray to God. And the Lord came to his rescue and delivered him as a kinsman redeemer would from the snare of the lions. You know, but the snares of, of life aren't just the ones that other people set for you. It's the things that we set for ourselves. We, we, we get into more trouble, people, we get into more trouble on our own than, than, than we do with other people. How many times have, have we found ourselves in difficult situations and only to call out to God and God delivers us in our time of need. So God is powerful and God's merciful and God's full of grace. He is our kinsman redeemer. So the real question is, how do we get God to respond to us? How do we get God to redeem our lives from the pit? How do we get God to take us from where we are, whether it may be in an emotional situation or maybe, maybe it's a, a financial need or maybe it's a physical need and we feel like we're going under. How do we get God's attention? Well, Psalm 130 will tell us that, written by the same one of Psalm 103. And David 
says this. He says, out of the depths I cry unto you, Lord. Out of the depths. He's referencing water, a sea. Have you ever been in, in waves that were over your head and you felt like you were going to go under for the last time? That you couldn't uh, stay afloat? That the wind and the waves were choppy and they were, and they were about to take you under? David is trying to give us a picture of how God can rescue us, that he can be our kinsman redeemer in a time of need, whether it's us as an individual, us as a church, us as a family, us as a nation. God respects those that call on him. But the very first thing you have to do is you have to cry out to him. Now, this is a and when you look at it, it will say it's a song of ascent. That this is a song that, that the children of Israel would sing as they were ascending or going to the temple. And I would say before anything else that you have to first be moving toward God. If you want to get out of the situation you're in, you can't be moving away from God and expect God to, to, to deliver you. The very first thing you need to do is realize, as the prodigal son did, that, that he was away from his father, that he had squandered all of his inheritance, but he knew that the servants in his father's house had it better than him, and he left where he was and made his way to God. And if you, number one, if you want to be out of whatever is controlling you, whatever is binding you, whatever is frustrating you, if you want to have complete and full and utter deliverance and healing and help, number one is that you have to make your way toward God, that you have to set your mind on Him. Number one, put your faith, hope, and trust in God. And he says, out of the depths, out of the, out of the picture is the overwhelming circumstances of life. And he says, Lord, hear my voice. I cry to you, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Mercy is, is not receiving what I deserve. And he is saying, God, it don't, don't, let, me, don't let me receive what, what is do me, but, but, but Lord, just bless me. And he's talking about hearing your voice. You can listen and you can hear. Have you ever listened to somebody or you've been in a conversation with somebody and they've been talking and talking and talking and talking? And after about 15 minutes, you have thought about how you're going to clean your car. You've thought about everything else, but you don't know a word they said. You ever been there? We've all been there, have we not? Here's what the psalmist is, is saying. God, don't just hear my voice. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to me, God. Hear me. Not just acknowledge that I'm saying something, but understand what I am saying. 
Be attentive unto my cry, my cry, my passionate plead. I have discovered that, that our passionate plea in life of, toward anything is directly determined by how much despair we actually feel. If you feel your circumstance doesn't merit a lot, you will just say, oh, pardon me, God, would you please help me? But if you're in desperate need, you are going to get your attention. You're going to try to get his attention and no matter what you do. Years ago, I, I, I worked in a, in a box plant, and I've told you this before, but, uh, but I worked in a box plant, but they made boxes when I was younger, and and they had conveyor belts all over the floor so you could push big um, deals of, of boxes and they had a, a conveyor underneath and so all you had to do is just touch it and then it would just move all the way down or all the way around the plant all by themselves. It was amazing. And I, I remember once this big pile of boxes was stuck so I was going to step on the little metal plate to because so I could stand on that and push the boxes, but I didn't realize that, that some of the repairmen had moved the metal plate, and when I put my foot down, I landed on that little metal, uh, on that conveyor belt, and it was pushing my leg underneath the rollers. Now, at that moment, I did not say, because I'm a fairly quiet individual, I didn't say, um, pardon me, somebody, if you could please help me, that would be fantastic. I'm getting ready to lose my leg. I screamed and yelled at the top of my lungs because I knew that if they didn't hit the panic button and stop that, that conveyor, I was going to end up with a broken leg or a leg that was useless for the rest of my life. And I screamed and yelled, and, and over all of the noise in that, in that factory, they heard me, and they hit the button, and I was able to be rescued is because I realized that the circumstance was desperate. And I needed somebody to not just hear my voice, but understand what I was saying and act on it. How desperate are you for God to intervene in your life? How desperate are you to get your life turned right, to turn it the way that God wants it to be turned? How desperate are you to be able to lay your head on your pillow at night knowing that if the Lord takes you, everything is right with you? How desperate are you to see your children and your grandchildren and your family and your husband and your wife? How desperate are you to see people come to faith in Christ? How desperate are you and how desperate is your call to God? And you say, well, pastor, you, you, you're starting to step on my toes I hope so, because I believe that God has great blessings for this church, and God has blessings for his, his body of believers, but we need, we need his attention, and we will not get his attention until we realize that the circumstance 
that we face, the circumstances of life, the circumstances that our, that our nation is facing, are dire and they're desperate. And we need to call on God. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry. God, spare my family. God, deliver me from what holds me back. God, set my family free. God, set our community free. God, enlighten the hearts and minds of those that are around us. Out of the depths I cry unto you, O God, hear my voice. Understand, see the great need. It's an earnest request for the favor of God. He goes on to say this. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? Now you have to understand that David knew, as we know, that God does keep a record of sins. And for those that don't know the Lord, that have never bowed their knee, that have never confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord, that have never developed a relationship with him, every single thought and action that they have ever committed in their entire life will be brought out and laid before them at the great white throne judgment. If that doesn't terrify you, you're, you're like I am. You're thinking about things that, that perhaps you've said or done that you don't want anybody to know about. You just want to bury them and get them away. Can you imagine standing before the judge of all the earth and everything is laid open. See, he's going to judge fairly. And he says, Lord, if you keep a record of sin, who could stand? What he is saying is, God, we can't do this based on our righteousness. If you think that you can you can get out of the circumstances that you find yourself in apart from the grace and the mercy of God, you are kidding yourselves. Because in reality, you need the mercy of God. You need the grace of God. There is no way that your sins can be pardoned apart from the, the blood that was shed by Christ on Calvary. That is the only way that we can get our eternal life and our, our sins forgiven. But we need to understand that, that we need the mercy of God, that God if we were trying to do it on our own righteousness, there's nothing that can we can do. Who could stand and say, I need your help based on my goodness. I need your blessing based on my righteousness. There's no one that can stand. It's not because of our goodness that we cry out. It's because of the goodness of God that we say, his mercy is new. 
every single morning. And it doesn't matter where I've been or what I've done. The only thing that really matters is, God, I can't get it on my own. But I know you are merciful. And you are full of grace. And you are the one that helps in the time of need. Why do we always think that we can handle things on our own? That we can control things on our own? That, that we think, oh, well, we can do this or we can get there. And one of, the, one of the things that's always just been so mind-boggling to me is when people talk to me and they'll say, well, as soon as I get my life right, I'll come to church. Oh, don't you understand that church is there to get your life right? If you want to look at some imperfect people, just look around. But if you want to look at some imperfect people that realize they can't do it on their own, but they know that they serve an amazing God that is full, full of mercy, that is just looking for people that will say, I need your help and will pursue him. Because he said, if you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. If you will confess, I am faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse and to pardon and to set free. For whoever the Son sets free is really free. Can't earn his favor. But with you there is forgiveness. So that we can, with reverence, serve you. God blesses those that call on him out of a sincere heart. He goes on to say this in verse 5. I wait for the Lord. How many of you like to wait? Wait. When you were a kid, you had to wait for Christmas. You had to wait to go to Disney. You had to wait, 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 wait. You had to wait for that bell to ring so you could get out of school or prison and go play. Wait. But David is saying something amazing here. He's saying, I wait for the Lord. I'm not waiting on circumstances to change. I'm not waiting on, on me to get the ambition. I'm not waiting on things to turn around. I am just simply waiting on the Lord. It's the Lord that changes things, and it's the Lord that changes things in his time. My whole being waits. In the, in the King James and others, it says, my soul, my eternal being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. There's always a time when you're calling out to God that there's a waiting process. Have you ever noticed that? That God normally doesn't say, when you say, God, I really need this, it usually just doesn't happen that day. Sometimes it does, and it's really incredible. 
But sometimes you, you pray and you call out to God and you pray and you seek him and, and then you go to his word and, and in his word says if you trust in him, he will not bring you to shame and, and that you can trust in his word, that, you, that his word never returns void, that it always does what it will accomplish, that, that his word is always right, his word is always uh, perfect, and he always upholds his word. So if his word says you can ask and you can receive, if you ask for, for pardon, he will give you pardon, you can trust in him. No matter what your circumstance, you can trust in him. He says, I put my hope in your word that you are a God of character. He says, so I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. And he says it twice. More than the watchmen wait for the morning. He's, he's referencing that, that person that stands on the wall that looks out and, his, and his, his job is to make sure that there's, that there's no enemies coming or, or to see what is coming. And he's saying, Lord, as that watchman that stands on the wall, I'm waiting for you to show up. More than the watchman that is at night that's waiting for the dawn. More than the watchman that is looking out hardly. It's hard to see at night. But when the dawn comes, when the dawn arises, when the sun comes up, I can see clearly, Lord, I am more watchful than this person. I am more watchful for, the, for God to show up in my circumstance and my situation than the watchman that's on the wall waiting for the morning because I I have put my hope and trust in you. Then he goes on to say this. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. Trust in them. For the Lord is unfailing. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is partial redemption. Full, complete, complete redemption, complete exoneration. He himself will redeem Israel from some of their sins. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that will give full redemption, that will redeem us from the pit? in the snare, whether it's self-inflicted or not. When we call on him, I'm going to ask our praise team to come. And if you would, would you stand with me? We serve a God that is mighty to save, mighty to deliver, mighty to set free, mighty to change our lives. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all which we can ask or even think. We serve the creator of the heavens and the earth. We serve the creator of all things. And his word says, if you cry out to him, if you're moving toward him and you say, God, 
I need you. See, God's going to react to you in your situation with the amount of desperation you have in your heart. If you think that where you're at can be changed by you and all you need is is a little pep talk from Jesus, that's what you're going to get. But if you're desperate, if you're hungry, if you want to see things change in you and your life, in your community, in your family, if you want to see God move, it requires a desperation saying, God, here I am. I know the, the day that I gave my life to the Lord, I got to the place that I didn't care what people thought, what people said. I was just going to give my life to the Lord. There's been times in my life since, since then that I've found myself in situations, sometimes my own doing, sometimes others, that were so desperate that I just needed to call out to him. Perhaps you're there today, that you're, you're in a situation where you need the Lord. And maybe you've been calling out a little bit, but maybe it's time that you just get desperate and say, God, I have to have help. Keep in mind, this is a song of ascent. This is a song that they sang as they moved toward God. If you want God to deliver you from the waters of life that you feel like you're drowning in, you've got to let go of the things that are making you sink that you have in your hands so you can reach up to that nail scarred hand and he can pull you out of the pit if you're here today you want God to move in your life I don't care if you're a Christian non-Christian I don't care if you've served the Lord for five months or 50 years it doesn't matter you're here today and you are desperate you want to see God move in your life in somebody else's life in your family I want you to just make your way down here and say Lord here I am here I am 